0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast. Believe Podcast Network, I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. The silver and black head to the ATL in week 12 to face the Falcons for the first time since the 2016 season. The Raiders at 6 and four, second place in the AFC West, and 7th place in the AFC Conference standings. Raiders just wrapped up a three-game streak against AFC West opponents, going 2-1. This marks the first time playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Raiders' final contest against NFC South this season. Silver and Black is 2-1 against the division with wins over Carolina and New Orleans, and their only defeat coming against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the 15th all-time meeting between the Raiders and the Falcons, and Atlanta has actually owned the Raiders recently, having won the last four meetings. Last time the Raiders beat the Falcons was in 2000. It was a blowout, 41-14. The Raiders are currently installed as three-point favorites, and the over-under is half. Week 12 gets underway with a pair of games on Thanksgiving. Obviously nothing like turkey and football. And if you feel like wagering on one of the two Thursday games or feel like the Raiders will bounce back and pick up a win, then do yourself a favor, head to betonline.ag. It not only has the NFL, but college football. And with the NBA just a month away from tipping off the regular season, this site is the place to be. Game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, Raider Nation. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, following Sunday's heartbreaking loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, Raiders coach John Gruden said the team could use some reinforcements. Unfortunately, Richie Incognito isn't one of them, and he's officially out for the season. If you remember, Raider Nation Incognito injured his Achilles in week two versus the Saints. 37 year old guard has one year left on a two year contract extension he signed the day after the 2019 season. It's a non guaranteed year, and it's worth $5 million. Now, Incognito's absence hasn't been felt as much as others because veteran Denzel Good has been outstanding in his place. As far as Trent Brown goes, Gruden said on Monday his status is still up in the air. Brandon Parker will start again in Brown's place if he can't go. And Raider Nation, how about the progress Parker has made since the season began? He started at both tackle positions. And after initially struggling to begin the season, he's been outstanding as of late. And once again, I know I've hammered on this all the time, but I give a lot of credit to Raiders offensive line coach Tom Cable. I mean, he's done an amazing job with this unit, considering the Raiders' projected starting offensive line has played a total of three snaps this season. Let that sink in. Three snaps. This will be the Raiders' 11th game of the season. In 2014, the league started recognizing assistant coaches of the year. And to me, Cable should be the front-runner for this award with the job he has done this season. Here's some other Raider news. Uh, Since Monday, they also claimed defensive end Tack McKinley off of waivers. He's a former first-round pick of the Falcons. Now, McKinley was previously claimed by the Bengals and the Niners, but he failed both physicals because of a groin injury. He's an Oakland native. And he had 17 and a half sacks in 49 career games for Atlanta. Now he's going to need to pass through the COVID-19 protocol of five straight days of negative tests before he can enter the team's facility. The Raiders also signed another former Falcon, outside linebacker Vic Beasley. He worked out with the team on Monday and did well enough that the Raiders signed him to their practice squad. 28-year-old Beasley was a first-round pick in 2015 and had 37.5 sacks in 78 games for the Falcons. Now, he was recently released by the Tennessee Titans after failing to record a sack this season. Beasley has already passed through COVID-19 protocol, and he has been practicing with the team. Here's Gruden discussing why the Raiders brought in both players.
0: You know what? We've always um, looked at what we thought of the players coming out. When McKinley came out of UCLA, when Vic came out of Clemson, I know I liked them both. I know Mike liked them both. And when players are available that we like, we want to bring them here as soon as possible. If everything is is legitimate and and it works out uh, financially and all the other ways. Uh, But that's, that's the big thing. And I learned that from Al Davis when I was here. Learned that from Bill Walsh with the 49ers. Bring in Hacksaw Runners. Bring in Fred Dean. Bring in some of these players, Matt Millen, Ronnie Lott. Bring them uh, that that have played great before. There's a chance they can play great again. And sometimes the chain of scenery scenery is what these guys need.
1: Also on Wednesday, linebacker Corey Littleton returned to the practice field. He missed the last two games after being placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. Raiders currently have four players still on the COVID list. They include Trent Brown. Klee Farrell, LaMarcus Joyner, and running back Theo Riddick as of this taping on Wednesday night. Damon Arnett and Amik Robertson, they both missed practice on Wednesday because of an illness. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Raiders are 6-4, currently 7th in the AFC Conference. As of right now, they would qualify for the playoffs and secure an opening round playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, wouldn't everyone like to see another matchup between these two? But hey, there's still a lot of football to be played. And last year, the Raiders had the same 6-4 and four record, and they ended up imploding, losing five out of their last six. Now, last year at this time, the Raiders traveled to New York to take on a 3-7 and seven Jets team. The Silver and Black got blown out. This Sunday, they traveled to Atlanta to play the 3-7 and seven Falcons. But I think the similarities in there. Silver and Black have gone toe-to-toe with the Chiefs twice. And they're one of two teams to beat the Saints, who are currently the number one seed in the NFC. And the Raiders' offense, it's so much better this year compared to last season. They're averaging nearly 10 more points a game. And they've shown they can win throwing the football or running the rock. The schedule also plays out favorably down the stretch. The Raiders play just two teams with current winning records, the Colts and the Dolphins. And both of those games are at home. Now, I understand there are still a lot of question marks on the defensive side of the ball, and COVID can rear its ugly head at any time. But overall, the Silver and Black should like their chances as the calendar flips to December. Here's what Derek Carr had to say when he was asked by a reporter about having identical records at this point, two years in a row.
0: You know, Josh. I actually, me and Mister Mayock, I, I said the same words to him. You know, I said, uh, you know, he, he, you know, in our conversation the other day, he was like, you know, we were six last year, and I said, I said, yeah, I said, but this feels different. He said, I agree. You know, I, I think we both feel that it's different. You know, um, there's just something about this team. You know, uh, you know the teams that we've lost to, how we how we've lost. You know, um, uh, you know, and things like that. Um, you know, the teams that we've played with and beat and, uh, uh, and things like that. It just, we're, we're definitely a better team this year, you know, uh, uh, but we, we right now have to, and I mean, have to finish this season better than we did last year. And I, and I think, I believe that we will, you know, I'm hopeful and I believe that we will, but, um, and, and I think that it's different. I feel it's different, but time will tell if it is different, you know.
1: I understand there's some concern that the Raiders could be feeling a little hangover following last week's heartbreaking loss to the Chiefs. But I think this team is too talented, and they have too much veteran leadership with guys like Carr, Rodney Hudson, and Jason Witten to let that happen. All right, let's take a look at some storylines heading into the Falcons game. Atlanta enters Sunday's matchup, four games under 500. They're led by interim coach Raheem Morse, who took over for Dan Quinn, who was let go following the Falcons' 0-5 start. Morse is 3-2, but none of the wins are against teams with a winning record. If you remember Raider Nation, earlier in the season, the Falcons blew numerous double-digit leads in the fourth quarter, which led to the dismissal of Quinn. And I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but after Gruden was fired by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was replaced by, yes, Raheem Morse. Morse was an assistant coach on Gruden's staff in Tampa. Now, despite their poor one-loss record, Gruden says, don't let that fool you about these Falcons.
0: They're 3-7. and seven. That's a joke. This is the best 3-7 and seven team I've ever seen. I don't know how they've lost some of these games. Uh, I'm sure they don't either. They got a heck of a defense. They're top 10 on third down. Their top 10 against the run. They got a linebacker, number 54. A con- everybody's got to start figuring out who this guy is, where he came from. He's as good a linebacker as we've seen on film all year. Uh, they're, they're, they're running and they're playing hard. And they've got firepower on offense. They're a lot better
1: football team than their record. One of the Falcons' many issues is their offensive line. Now, it's no secret the Raiders' lack of a pass rush is this team's biggest weakness. They have just 11 on the season. Only Jacksonville has the worst pass rush with nine. But this could be an opportunity for the Raiders' front line to get after the quarterback. Falcons QB Matt Ryan was sacked eight times last week by the Saints defense. And Atlanta's on pace to give up 43 sacks this season. So, let's see if this is an area the Raiders could take advantage of on Sunday. As we all know, Ryan is your typical old-school pocket passer. He is not going to beat you with his legs, but his arm. Last week against the Saints, Ryan didn't throw a touchdown pass and was intercepted twice. But when Matty Ice and his receivers are clicking, they can be tough, as Ryan averages about 280 passing yards a game, second in the league. So, what does this mean for the Raiders' secondary? It's going to get tested, going up against one of the top receiving cores in the National Football League, and it's led by Calvin Ridley's 48 receptions. Now, on the injury front, Julio Jones tweaked his hamstring last week against the Saints, and he's reportedly going to be a game-time decision. Jones has already missed a couple of games earlier this year, and he's second on their team in receptions. And then there's third-year wideout Russell Gage out of LSU, who's had a breakout year with 42 catches. Raider secondary is going to have its hands full. But if Jones is a no-go, that's a huge break for the Raiders. Here's Trayvon Mullen discussing the challenge ahead for the team's secondary. For me, I just continue to be me. Um,
0: uh, For me, I prepare as, um, if I prepare well, then I play well. I don't too much look at um, other guys and those names and how they play. It's too much of what I do, what I can control, and I go out there. If I play at a high level and execute, um, then I feel like I'd be well. And as a group, it's the same way. Um, We practice well, execute and practice, um, play on Sundays, and we'll have a good turnout.
1: I'm also curious to see how defensive coordinator Paul Gunther divides up the linebacker snaps now that Corey Littleton returned to practice on Wednesday. The Raiders essentially play a 4-5 defense. And Nicholas Morrow filled in very well during Littleton's absence. And Nick Kwiatkowski, I think he's been getting better and better each week. So, is Littleton left out? I mean, he was supposed to be the team's biggest free agent offseason acquisition. Well, let's face it, Raider Nation. He has been a big disappointment so far. So, let's keep an eye on this Sunday, how Paul Gunther divides up the linebacker snaps between those three. Over on the other side of the ball, offensively, the Raiders' offense is the real deal. The NFL knows it. So do you, Raider Nation. And everyone knows they can beat you in a variety of ways. With that being said, I do look for the Raiders to be more balanced against the Falcons. Atlanta's defense comes into this one ranked 29th in the league. And the Falcons are just god-awful against the pass. They rank 31st in the NFL. Now, they're not that bad against the run. But I think it's one of those cases where teams are so successful with the passing game. just don't run as much on this defense. But once again, with that being said, I still look for Gruden to try and be more balanced. I mean, let's look at the last four games. And the Raiders' offense has really been sort of one-dimensional. Against the Chiefs, Derek Carr threw for 275 yards and three touchdowns. But the ground game was held to less than 90 yards. I mean, Josh Jacobs never really got going after that opening drive and was held to 55 yards on just 17 carries. Prior to his big performance against the Chiefs, Carr averaged just under 150 yards through the air in his previous three games. But in those same contests, it was the running game that put up big numbers. I mean, the ground game was tearing it up, averaging over 190 yards a game. Now, I would still like to see the Raiders try and incorporate Henry Ruggs III more into this offense. You know, they ran a jet sweep with him in the fourth quarter, and it netted a first down against the Chiefs. And I remember Amari Cooper's first season with the Raiders, and former offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave, he ran a lot of wide receiver screens to get Cooper involved early and often in the offense. Maybe something for Gruden to think about. All right, I want to say congrats to former Raider Charles Woodson who in his first year of eligibility was chosen as one of 25 semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. Love you, Seawood. What a wonderful player, first as a cornerback and then as a safety. You know, I'm not a big jersey guy, but I do own a Charles Woodson home version number 24 jersey. I mean, He is one of my all-time favorite Raiders. All right, Raider Nation, since it's Thanksgiving, just wanted to share some simple things I'm thankful for. Not many, but uh, just wanted to share them with you. I'm thankful the NFL is still playing right now. It's been a crazy year, especially with COVID. The fact that the NFL has been able to pull off the season until now I think is really remarkable. I'm thankful the Raiders are 6-4. and four, And I'm thankful to be delivering this podcast to you on a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving, Raider Nation. Don't forget, kickoff is set for 10 a.m. Pacific, and you can watch it on your local CBS affiliate. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast, We Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin Court.